Hello and welcome to episode 131 of Techspansive. I'm Sean Dubervac from Avrio Institute. And I'm Ross Rubin at Reticle Research. This week, TikTok laid out their plans to launch a, a new feature or a new service, if you will, called Pulse. It's a, an, an ad product uh, designed to try to bring in both advertisers as well as influencers and, and creators. They're uh, allowing advertisers to in- ensure that their brand's ads are placed next to the top 4% of all videos on, on TikTok. And they'll have a number of different categories to ensure that the brand is aligned with the the right category. So, for example, you know, beauty or some other things like that to make sure that uh, if if your product is in that category, then you are aligning with videos on that. It's also trying to uh, bring in creators, and it's offering a fifty fifty split of the ad revenue with creators. So that will hopefully pull in more of those creators, or at least that make them more active on the uh, the marketplace. Now, this seems like a significant departure from what we've seen in terms of social networks trying to tap into the creator economy. Up till now, we've mostly seen these developmental funds or these uh, creator funds that are trying to attract creators to the platform or incentivize them to build their audiences. Uh, But this really allows some of the top stars on TikTok to directly share in the main revenue model of the parent network, uh, which is something that some, for example, YouTube creators have, um, uh, have sought to to extract from YouTube uh, to, to no real avail uh, in any uh, meaningful uh, way beyond the uh, existing rate. So one of the things I like about it is that it's very, uh, com- com- very compatible with uh, the kind of service that I think TikTok has created. These short videos usually don't uh, allow for the kinds of, uh, or don't encourage at least, the kinds of controversial content uh, that we tend to see on YouTube and Facebook, which is um, uh, can can really be a, a turnoff for for uh, for for major brand advertisers. And uh, the timing, I think, is very interesting that TikTok is looking to create more of a safe harbor for these uh, big advertising brands as uh, we see so much controversy around Twitter uh, potentially embracing uh, less content moderation and moving away from the ad model completely. Uh, So a a good example of uh, contrasting directions among major social media sites yeah, I think it, it's a, a very logical move as they continue to to build out the platform. And, and obviously, it's an extremely popular platform for uh, younger generations, a very hard to reach audience with a lot of influence over buying and purchase decisions. And so uh, they're working to get into that. I think it also will create an opportunity for brands to be very creative and to, to fit within that TikTok model. You know, if you look at how ads are running on Twitter today, for the most part, they are tweets that are being promoted and so they, they fit in line. But 
sometimes they they uh, feel out of place because they aren't natural to the timeline that that you've curated. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if these videos have that same sometimes jarring uh, influence over the the viewers, or if they can fit well. And, and I think you have the chance for uh, to really create some viral advertising on the platform because if you follow that short kind of short uh, video segment could be a really interesting opportunity. Also an interesting contrast from the news we're seeing out of uh, Cameo this week, one of the pioneering creator economy websites and and apps where you can order uh, greeting videos from all manner of (laughs) celebrities, uh, both uh, famous and sometimes a bit infamous uh, across domains such as Hollywood, Broadway, sports, uh, television, uh, politics, uh, you, you pretty much name it. And uh, news that Cameo is uh, scaling back a bit, is going to be uh, have, engaging in a, in a round of layoffs. And, um, you know, perhaps some of the, the novelty has, uh, has started to wear off here. I think Cameo has been a good example of a creator economy site that it was really tough to predict what, uh, what would rise to the top there in terms of popularity. At least at one point a, f- a few months ago, maybe a year ago, uh, Kevin uh, Baum, Baumgartner uh, from, uh, from The Office uh, was the top revenue uh, cameo host. Uh, that, that wouldn't have been on, uh, on my betting sheet, but you know, I think uh, as is often the case, uh, he differentiated through, through his personality and uh, you know, the, the way he, he did the greetings and uh, you know, has turned this into a, you know, a significant uh, revenue stream uh, after, after the office. Uh, but um, you know, but clearly, like again, with with a lot of these sites, it's uh, something of a pyramid, and uh, there's a huge base of potential hosts that are not driving that much revenue from the site. It also aligned quite well with the pandemic, when all of a sudden, all of these uh, these a- actors were in, in their home, or celebrities were in their home, waiting uh, to go back to work. Uh, artists weren't performing, you know, there weren't shows being filmed. And so they had the bandwidth for this type of activity. At the same time, we were looking for uh, in, any type of, of thing that would keep our minds off of the early impact of the pandemic. And so this was an interesting way of connecting with friends or or doing something special for a coworker when you might have brought a coffee in the past or something like that. So I, I feel like it fit within a, a certain period. And now we're back to consuming other content and, and, and you know, going out more and doing other things like that. So it just feels like it was a, a very classic pandemic play. And I think you're seeing that the tech companies now rethink some of their hiring that they've made in in the last two years and as they look out at slower demand we saw meta uh, announcing that they're going to uh 
you know, hold off on some of their hiring. I mean, they, they're obviously a very large organization, so they will continue to hire and, and fill roles that need to be filled. But I think you're going to see companies look, uh, you know, more discerningly at their hiring moving forward. Cameo is an extreme example where, where they're laying off a significant portion of their, of their workforce, including a number of their, their high-level executives as they rethink their business moving forward. But I do think you're going to see more of these announcements in the, in the weeks and months ahead. And maybe they become an attractive acquisition candidate as well. When you look at the Twitter revenue picture moving forward, if Elon Musk is going to eschew the ad model, he needs other revenue streams. He mentioned recently that he would certainly entertain spinning Twitter back out into a public company uh, if the financials, I, I assume, warranted it. And uh having a, an option to launch a Cameo-like feature, uh, whether it was through acquisition or just starting up a, a clone-type service, might fit well with uh, a lot of social media celebrity profiles where there are fans and shared fan groups, uh, but they are not yet in that uh, Kardashian level of celebrity where it would be prohibitively expensive uh, for, uh, for for someone to hire them for a, a, a birthday greeting uh, or, or such. And I think we definitely will see Elon Musk do something with Twitter, spin it out, take it uh, public again. I mean, he will have to do something because he isn't the sole source of financing and he's going to have a lot of investors that he has to, to answer to. Uh, we saw this week a disclosure of some of those investors and they include a wide swath of of players from uh, sovereign wealth funds to uh, Larry VCs, Ellison, you know, to other and VCs, Andreessen Horowitz, yes, yeah. So yeah. Uh, they're not doing this just out of the the goodness of their hearts because they're well aligned with Elon Musk's vision. Uh, I'm sure that he had to lay out some plans on where he would take Twitter, and so. If he were to move away from the traditional ad model, I think he will have to replace it with some type of revenue because uh, these investors aren't going to wait 20 years to recoup their investment uh, through you know small dividends each quarter. I, I think we'll see some interesting things happen. And, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, but how much is the edit button worth? Will, will that push people to go to a, a paid service like, uh, you know, Twitter Blue? It, would we pay for Twitter if that was the only option? I mean, if Twitter were to move to subscription-only model, would people pay $10 or $20 or, or whatever the figure is a year even uh, for access to the service? I, I think... You would see that. That would probably also uh, lower the amount of um, of spam and, and fake accounts and other things that are that are on the service if they had to be paid for initially. So there's, I think there's a lot of options that Elon has, but ultimately they will all drive revenue or will be aimed at driving revenue. I, I think moving forward. Well, the the paradox is that if he were to turn Twitter into a paid subscription service, we would, of course, see a a mass exodus. Uh, We have seen 
a few companies experiment with a subscription social media model in the past. Uh, none of them have uh, acquired any kind of critical mass. Uh, and if Twitter were to shrink uh, into a uh, tightly uh, controlled, well, not tightly controlled from a content perspective, but um, very limited from a membership perspective uh, because, uh, because of the paid subscriptions, then uh, it would really be in conflict with some of Musk's initial musings about acquiring Twitter, calling it the Internet's default town square. You know, you, you can't make the case that Twitter is the Internet's default town square uh, if you're turning it into, you know, something more like, uh, you know, Madison Square Garden, you know, where, where you have to be in, you have to pay basically to to be to be part of the uh, the events happening there. So uh, so that 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 would be uh, that would be the trade off. Yeah. And I think we'll we'll see some of that come to fruition. I, I imagine he will have some timeline, but eventually at some point the uh, investors will come calling and he'll have to have to make moves M more to come. I mean, the question is, are there any other buyers out there that would would buy it from him as opposed to taking it public again? I would argue probably not, uh, it's not evident at least right now, or they would have come out and placed a bid uh, when, when it was clear that uh, Twitter was in play. And, and in fact, some of my initial thoughts were, were that Elon didn't really want Twitter, but he wanted to put it into play. And so by making an initial bid, he opened it up that others could come in and, and bid for it. And maybe there were some conversations, but uh, you know, it wasn't evident that anybody was going to come out with anything more than $44 billion. Uh, Other than the valuation, I wonder if some of the anti-regulatory climate, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the regulatory climate about big tech uh, and particularly major acquisitions uh, scared folks away, of course, for decades. Uh, Google executives, or I think uh, Eric Schmidt recently uh I saw I saw a, a quote from him somewhere about how Google aired in in social media and never really became the social media uh, powerhouse that it had the potential to be to rival Facebook, despite numerous attempts. Uh, the last uh, final one being being Google Plus. Uh, Google could clearly do a lot with with Twitter. Uh, but um, you know, at this point, uh, would certainly pr uh, preserve the the ad model. Uh, but you know, at, at this point, it, they may believe that, and certainly has the cash to to acquire it. Uh, but um, you know, maybe may uh, scared away by uh, uh, antitrust uh, concerns. Uh, sure, I'm sure people within Facebook were looking at it, going, "Oh, I wish we could come in and buy uh, Twitter. It would would add to their portfolio quite nicely." And uh, but but clearly would have never passed, uh, you know, the, the anti tr the trust issues likely. I'm sure others did look at it, but just realized they couldn't couldn't pull the triggers. Uh, I was going to say, you know, perhaps in another time, uh, uh, you know, uh, the 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 Weibo uh, guys uh, from from China would have made a bid, uh, but uh, certainly that's not going to fly these days either. In other news this week, we saw that uh, Microsoft has partnered with Epic 
Games to offer Fortnite for free through its Xbox Cloud gaming service. You can uh, access it with or without a subscription to the Xbox Cloud gaming service. And one of the interesting byproducts of this partnership is that it means that users will be able to access Fortnite through the Xbox Cloud gaming service on Android, iOS, or or iPad uh, OS, in addition to Windows PCs. So this means that users will be able to play Fortnite on an iPhone or an Android phone, which they aren't able to do right now because uh, both Apple and Google have Fortnite blocked on those platforms. So it's a very interesting uh, backdoor onto the devices and uh, and highlights the, the role that Xbox cloud gaming service could play for other game providers and, and developers as well. Uh, sure. On our 100th episode, uh, Peter Rojas uh, was our guest and talked about the potential of free-to-play uh, and uh, streaming gaming services and how important free-to-play is in building these large communities like we see in Fortnite uh, and how the console model was not well aligned uh, with uh, with free-to-play. Uh, but of course, Microsoft has been uh, taking a, a different approach with um, uh, the Xbox Game Pass and, and cloud gaming feature. In fact, uh, recently I saw some commentary about that that attributed uh, some of Microsoft's success in the Xbox outselling uh, the PS5 uh, to the uh, popularity of the Xbox uh, cloud gaming service. Uh, I would personally chalk it up more to better availability of the console, which uh, was also mentioned in this article, but uh, but this could be a, a contributing factor as well. Uh, it's probably not going to make a material difference uh, in terms of iOS usage of of Fortnite uh, compared to when it was a native app and and such a popular app. Uh, But if you are invested as a Fortnite user on other platforms, here is a potential way to get it back uh, onto your uh, mobile phone. GeForce Now, by the way, we, we saw some of this discussion when GeForce Now uh, decided to support uh, Fortnite on uh, on iOS through the browser, uh, but uh, unlike Nvidia, Microsoft has been much more public and uh, more aggressive about railing against uh, uh, Apple's uh, App Store policies and not being and, and the challenges it presents for host for for using a, a an all you can eat cloud gaming service on it uh, because uh, Apple's uh, terms require that you have each game as a separate entity in the App Store, and that just kind of (laughs) defeats a lot of the purpose. It'll be very interesting to see how uh, Xbox leverages this to add more content. It's it's clearly a win for them and, and a win for Epic. And it does feel like, uh, you know, I haven't seen the, the Fortnite uh, figures, but I know at least when my household, there's a lot less Fortnite playing going on. And this could, uh, you know, potentially change that now that it, it uh, provides a, the ability to play it on other devices. 
Yeah, it also provides Microsoft with an opportunity to expose and market uh, Xbox Game Pass to a much broader audience uh, because, as we were just discussing with Twitter, uh, when you have membership fees, of course, you're going to restrict uh, the, the reach of your service. Well, and that's what's interesting with this particular partnership is that you'll be able to play it with or without uh, subscription to uh, to cloud gaming. So this should presumably, you know, drive people at least to the to the site and to the service, um, and and you know, potentially some of those will add a subscription. So it's an interesting play for both Epic Games and Xbox. Uh, finally, this week we saw that uh, T Mobile announced that they would be entering the uh, the broadband market and uh, looking to disrupt the broadband market as they as they feel like they have disrupted the cellular market we will see them take their uh, you know their traditional advertising and uh, approach and uh, traditional service approach that that we've seen in the cellular market to the broadband market as they enter that yeah, they're looking at uh, $50 a month uh, for what they say is equivalent speed uh, that you would get from most uh, cable broadband services. Uh, they're using fixed 5G, which represents a, a milestone uh, for 5G services in terms of a major provider looking to market it as an alternative, a competitive performance alternative to landline broadband. Uh, and frankly, will probably be good enough for most people's needs, uh, streaming media, uh, downloads, the you know occasional remote uh, video chat uh, at work. There's, uh, T-Mobile is also, uh, as you mentioned, bringing over a lot of the features and marketing panache that they've exhibited uh, on the on the cellular side, uh, just as they went out, went after AT and T and Verizon as being uh, lumbering, unresponsive dinosaurs. Uh, they've also found those kinds of targets in uh, in the incumbent uh, uh, cable operators. Comcast and uh, and and Charter slash uh, Spectrum, uh, and uh, and 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 it also uh, provides an opportunity for them, of course, to increase their uh, average uh, customer spend. If uh, you are a T-Mobile Magenta Max customer, which is their flagship most expensive plan, uh, you get a discount on on the broadband. Uh, it would cost only $30 a month. Some time ago, T-Mobile had been working on their own TV service, but that got scrapped a while back. And so the question becomes, where does the content come from? And in addition to you know the usual on-demand guys, Netflix, HBO, Paramount Plus, uh, they're offering a free year of that. Uh, they um, uh, they'll, they'll be offering a half-price bundle for the first year on YouTube TV, uh, which is one of the probably two or three fattest, uh, as opposed to a skinny bundle, uh, fattest bundle of uh, channels uh, available with uh, some nice features such as uh, unlimited DVR. I think it's usually about 65 or $70 a month. So, you know, you... You put that on top of uh, 
broadband uh, at fifty dollars, and uh, you know you're not getting away with with cutting the cord for free, uh, but there's uh, still potentially some significant savings uh, over uh, your incumbent. Uh, cable provider. Of course, uh, there's also a great opportunity to reach customers not well served uh, by by those providers. So uh, it's also good to have another national entrant uh, in the market as opposed to the cable companies that uh, uh, are, of course, uh, regionally based. Um, part of T-Mobile's pitch was that they can, you know, as long as they're providing service, uh, uh, they become a, uh, a nice choice for small businesses because you can have have one provider get one one bill uh, and and not have to deal with uh, <clears throat> excuse me multiple uh, business broadband providers. And it, it's clear also that they're looking to ex- expand their business and you know beyond uh, expanding your cellular footprint or moving people up in their tiers, you've got to start to offer other services. They're competing against the companies like Verizon that are already offering both of these uh, you know services. And so it it is a uh, probably a not only a natural move for them, but a required move for them to to be able to continue to remain competitive in this space. Uh, with that, we'll end this week's episode of Techspansive. Thanks so much for joining us. Again, I'm Sean Dubervac from Avrio Institute, and you can find me on Twitter at Sean Dubervac. And I'm Ross Rubin. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Rubin. Thanks for listening.